We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host. Uh, did not get the memo about the Eagles names for those who are watching on YouTube, uh, but happy to be here with my guys to preview this upcoming matchup. Joining me, as always, are Tyler and Alex. Tyler, uh, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. The Chargers are going to play my grandpa's favorite team, rest in peace, and I hope the Chargers absolutely destroy them this week in his honor. <laughs> I think he would want it that way, I guess. Absolutely. I <laughs> um, Alex, how are you doing today, man? Uh, good. I just would like it on the record that I've never been an Eagles fan. I've never actually been to Philadelphia. And uh, yeah, so I don't know where, I, where I'm from now, but definitely not there <laughs> this week. Yeah, that 2017 Super Bowl was just a, a casual viewing yeah. experience for you. No, definitely mm. wasn't at the parade. <laughs> Definitely did not kiss on that tree. <laughs> Definitely did not see that oh. man uh, eat that horse, that pile of horse shit. Yeah. Well, this is uh, going to be an exciting one today. Before we get started, I have to give a shout out to our sponsor, TickPick, who is the official ticketing partner of the Guilty as Charged podcast. You can use the link in our description, tickpick.com slash charge for a $10 discount on your first purchase. We know that uh, everyone is making plans to travel to games. The, uh, this discount also applies to bowl games. If you're into that, I was talking with a friend of mine today about uh, traveling to the Utah bowl game, which will be happening hopefully in Pasadena. Uh, but we'll get to that point when we get there. So use the, the, the website or the link, excuse me, tickpick.com slash charge for a $10 discount. All right. That being said, let's dive into this uh, matchup. But actually, I correct myself. We wanted to talk about some other things first. Um, the treadline, the trade deadline came and passed. Uh, unfortunately for the Chargers, there were not many moves. I talked with uh, a Philadelphia reporter, Devin Caney, about the Eagles side of things. Uh, now we're going to talk about the Chargers side of things. So, Tyler, um, we'll start with you, man. What's your your takeaway from the Chargers not making any moves uh, at the trade deadline this week this year? Expected, but still disappointing. And everyone says, you know, oh, no one was available at right tackle, but I disagree because you can always find a guard and move filer. The right side of that line is awful right now. And it's the number one reason for their lack of success against the Patriots, in my opinion. 
I believe on the final drive alone, they allowed four pressures just from that right side. And if there's no half decent right tackle, there's clearly no Herbert. If there's no Herbert, there's no Mike Williams or Jalen Guyton deep. People have been saying, oh, you know, name name the guard or the tackle who fixes, you know, who could have fixed things that you could have traded for. I don't know. I haven't explored the market all that much. I don't know who's available. But I didn't know who Ode Abuji was until they signed him. And that, you know, that worked out pretty well. At least he played very well. So obviously 2022 is the plan. I've been semi-patient because we knew they had to get away from Rivers and then get to Herbert and then a new coaching staff now. But if they don't go in all in next year, I promise you, for those who've been waiting for us to start getting angry, I will 10,000% be first in line calling for Tom Telesco's head. So I, I sort of understand this year. It's still disappointing. I wish they would at least have gotten a right tackle to protect their most valuable asset. But it's 2022. That's the plan. Oh, well, I guess if you want to argue why they didn't do it, you know, yeah, you should do it because the AFC is weak this year. And that's true. The AFC West in particular is very weak this year. But at the same time, I guess because it's weak, you don't have to go all in. It's not what I would do. But that's sort of the argument for it. Uh, but still, I can be patient for one more season. If it doesn't happen next year, if it's not the all in year, I'm going to be very, very angry. And I think most Chargers fans will be too. Yeah, so for me, I just kind of went into the trade deadline pretty apathetic. I mean, you know, if you get a right tackle that can fix things and play better than Storm Norton, great. I mean, other than that, though, I didn't really feel like there were many great suggestions out there. Like, you know, Deshaun Jackson, I mean, he's technically available now, but like Deshaun Jackson doesn't fix their problems on offense. Neither does Odell Beckham Jr., um, I feel like maybe you could go get an edge player, but Von Miller, that was never available to the Chargers, right? And specifically, we talked about that on the trade deadline. I said, trades for the Chargers, that will never happen. And that was one of them. Uh, and he's on the other Los Angeles team now. So yeah. to me, I, I think that the Chargers, given the last two games, and particularly the last three weeks, including the stuff that they practiced off the bye, um, <laughs> I feel like they have much larger scale problems on offense than just one position. So like, yeah, while I would like a wide receiver, while I'd like a tackle, while I'd like an edge player to help the defense, I just didn't feel like uh, they could go all in this year. And I also didn't feel like they were in a position where one guy really lifts the talent level. Right. Um, You know, I guess if you go back to like the 2019 Patriots, like that was a team that had like this great defense Tom Brady, they just didn't have the weapons. And so they were like, all right, well, we're going to trade a second round pick for Muhammad Sanu. Um, That didn't go particularly well, but they were just like, well, we don't have Gronk and Edelman's old, so we kind of have to do it, right? And then, you know, try for another Super Bowl run. But um, I I just didn't think this team, this team's problem, I think, aside from the right tackle position, which is, you know, the whole Balaga situation, this team's problem to me is not a lack of talent right now, at least when we look at Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler, right? Like that offense like should be pretty good. But I think for a number of reasons, including Lombardi, including how Herbert's been playing, including, you know, the communication between players, it hasn't been um, in, in these last three games. So for me, that's really where I stand is I think one trade or two trades could have helped. But to me, the team will fix itself by fixing their core issues on offense. So to me, I don't think that was getting done by adding a player. I would have liked to have seen maybe a right tackle, like Tyler said. 
But um, yeah, I just don't think this was the trade deadline. And I also didn't think there were that many great deals out there. So we'll see what happens the next year. Like Tyler said, 2022 might be the all-in year. Um, but yeah, I definitely wasn't feeling it as much this trade deadline, given how the team played the last two weeks and how correctable their own issues are, given the fact that they do have pretty high-end offensive talent. Yeah, I'll start with Tyler's point about the offensive line. And, you know, it, it to me, the more frustrating part about the offensive line is their unwillingness to shuffle the offensive yep. line now. Like, to me, they have, you know, interesting pieces that they can move around in Matt Filer and Brennan Hymas, you know, whatever the case may be. I think they have pieces that can be inserted and improve the offensive line. Could they have traded for a guard and make things a little bit easier there? Sure. You know, there Mike Sando of the athletic pointed out Cody Ford as a potential uh, trade target, you know, for the chargers. I don't know how much that really upgrades things. You know, he he's been kind of a mess in the NFL and has been benched for uh, Spencer Brown, the, the fifth round pick from uh, what, what to call or Northern Illinois, excuse me. Um, so he's not really been like playing great. So to me that like, that could have helped things, you know, there were other guards, but you know, Marcus cannon, what to me was an interesting trade target, but he tore his ACL or something like two weeks ago. Um, and you know, now Cody Ford is back in the lineup because Matt Feliciano has been injured. So there weren't a ton of offensive line pieces to me. The more frustrating part there is that they have looked at Storm Norton, Michael Schofield, and said, okay, we're not going to mix things up. We're just going to keep doing these. And Joe Lombardi said today that they are using their tight ends to chip like all the time. And that is true. That is what I have seen on film. And it's just bad. Like there are so many, there are only so many things that you can do schematically to help your struggling offensive line. We talked about, or I talked about them last time. I personally at this point would like to see them go more five wide. Uh, spread teams out a little bit and take some pressure off that way or just kind of mix it in a little bit. But that's that's the frustration for the offensive line. To me, if they were going to make a trade, it was going to be to upgrade a, a pass rusher because pass rushers are generally more available than almost any other position at the deadline because teams who are bad don't really have a need for them. There were a couple on the Colts that were available. Obviously, Melvin Ingram, Von Miller were available, but not to the Chargers. So to me, like there were options for that kind of trade, and that's kind of the frustration. I didn't expect them to trade for a receiver, especially not Odell Beckham Jr. and probably not even Deshaun Jackson because of the cap hits. Now they can go sign those guys potentially if they want to. But to me, the lack of a trade for a pass rusher was kind of the the upsetting thing. Yeah, I mean, I agree there. As much as Justin Jones came back and, and looked great, I think he did pretty well in his first return. I mean, Joey Bosa was in that game with Justin Jones returning 62.5% of the time, double team, triple teamed. Yeah. It's awful. And he said, you know, I forget what exactly the words were, but he's basically tired of being double teamed and triple teams. I don't blame him. Yeah. In two thirds of your snaps, you're being double or triple teamed. You're not going to go out there and, and chest pressed 800 pounds every single <laughs> rep and expect to win. So, yeah, again, pass rusher not being addressed either is an issue. But, you know, Bosa believes in the other guys. I, I, I in a way, I do believe. More, I, I certainly do believe more in Mosu Fakro Rum to get it together than Norton. So I think Bosa does have a point. Like the guys can win their one on ones. And I do think moving forward the next few weeks, they're going to show that, you know, with, you know, no offense to the Eagles, Alex, but offense this week, you know, Jalen Hurts is not a good quarterback right now. And he certainly can't throw to one side of the field. But they'll <laughs> do have a good offensive line. 
Um, you know, I do think there's ways to get after some of these other quarterbacks, and they will gel. Uh, my, my I guess my biggest question with both the offensive line and the pass rushers, you know, are they going to look better because they're playing worse teams, and then transition to all that and take all that into the postseason if they make it, or are they just going to look better because they're playing bad teams? But once they get to the postseason, do things shut down because they're actually playing good opponents again? So uh, that'll be. I mean, we won't know until the postseason hits. Hopefully they just continue a nice trend into the postseason, not just inflated stats because of the poor opponents. But we'll see. Right now, no moves. Two huge problems. Pass rusher, right tackle, yeah. not addressed. The defense, offense, they're paying for it. And yeah, they're playing worse opponents. But once come playoff time, I don't know if it'll make a difference. Hey, fuck you for making fun of Jalen Hurts. Also, <laughs> I have to go write another post about how I want Russell Wilson next year. <laughs> 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 I, I think Jalen Hurts, like, I mean, we know who he is. Like, uh, you know, there's not much that he can change outside of, like, really overhauling his style, which we'll get into the whole side mm. side of the offense thing. But, you know, I, I think the playing worst competition also applies to the offensive line. You know, they're playing the Eagles this week. Brandon Graham is not walking through mm -hmm. that door. Uh, I like Josh Sweat. He's an okay player. But this should be a game where we see Storm Norton give up two or three or four pressures like this shouldn't be an eight pressure game now of course that i say that out loud he's probably going to give him eight pressures in the, in the eight pressure game. <laughs> um, but then next week you know the vikings don't have daniel hunter anymore he just tore mm -hmm. his uh peck or bicep or something like that so he's out for the season mm -hmm. so i think that applies both ways and, and you know i said you know heading into the bye that like that's the perfect time to shuffle things because then you have mm -hmm. you know that week of practice to or not practice because the players are out but you have that week to scheme up things and you know change your plan mm -hmm. a little bit then you have three games against the Patriots the Eagles and the Vikings where the pass rush isn't like great to then prepare for a stretch run of, of really good pass rushers like the thought of Storm Norton going against T.J. Watt for sixty five plays is uh. kind of terrifying at this point in, in the season so they had the chance to mix things up and they didn't. I don't know if they're going to, unless an injury happens, but like at this point, like I, I think I would take Michael Schofield at right tackle and Senor Calamente at right guard, because I just think the two of them together is it's not great. And, you know, I know as well as anybody that like more time, more reps together helps, you know, chemistry helps. But th there's just none of that is happening right now. And they're just not very talented players. Like as sad as it is to say, they're just, you know, average at best. So I, I don't know, man. It, I wish that they would change things up. I wish that there were a way that Brendan Hymas could have gone on the field because I think he really does elevate the ceiling of that unit. And if it, even if it's at right tackle, like give him a shot. I, I just do something different besides keep trotting out the same people as Tyler pointed out in his film. In his film breakdown, which you haven't watched, please go check that out. Storm Norton currently on pace for 70 pressures. So uh, 71. 71, excuse me. Um, so please just do something different. <laughs> I, I can't, I cannot look at the end of this season and look at Storm Norton and see 71 pressures. <laughs> please do not make me look at that. I mean, if we convert Storm Norton to Edge, 71 pressures is great. <laughs> <laughs> Well, why done. not? Well done. So speaking of edge, <clears throat> Brandon Staley had an interesting comment yesterday uh, about Kenneth Murray, who is back at practice. 
Um, he was featured on the Chargers Instagram story and looks pretty good, looks healthy. Um, and Brandon Staley was specifically asked about giving him reps at at outside linebacker on the edge. Uh, and Brandon Staley said basically that they have an evolving role for him, that he did not shut it down. He didn't say yes, kind of left the door open. So I think it's an interesting point that we have talked about before the season because people have always been interested in that because Kenneth Murray played a little bit of a hybrid position at Oklahoma. Um, and Tyler, I think you said he had, uh, it was 18 pressures on 43 snaps or something like that. I wish eight pressures on 43. Okay. So it's an interesting, I, I'm you know, that 18 on 43 would have been awesome, but eight out of 43 <laughs> is not that great. Um, so it's an interesting conversation. I, I certainly think he has the athleticism, um, and I'm certainly open to trying things, but I don't really know that it really helps the team to give him reps on the edge and take, so take those reps away from Unwosu and Fackrell and Chris Rumpf, who frankly, I think should be playing more. So, um, that's kind of where I stand on it. If it works great. I just don't know if I buy it being like a solution to the problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the overwhelming problem here is just that they drafted him to be an Anthony Lynn, Gus Bradley, 4-3 linebacker. Like, that, yes. that's what they drafted him to do. And then Brandon Staley comes in with his system and is like, hey, can you run linebacker in my system? And they found out eight weeks into the season, he can't run linebacker in the system, or at least not linebacker one in the way that they envision him quite like they do Kaiser White or Drew Tranquil. So in that sense, I do think that is a loss when you talk about the waste of draft capital. I mean, they traded up and spent a lot to go get Kenneth Murray, and now he's kind of fitting out. Um, So now if you do convert him to edge and he has some success there, that's good but it's also not what you drafted it before. So I don't know. I I think that it can work, right? Like, but the only thing that I caution people regarding the edge thing is like, not everybody's Michael Parsons. (laughs) That's been the thing after the Dallas game is like, oh, well, if you just put your big linebacker there, it'll be great. It's like, yeah, but Michael Parsons had, you know, could play all over like in college and like was mainly a pass rusher. Like, you know, putting Kenneth Murray in that role, you know, 43 snaps, is it a huge sample size to go off of, right? Um, even if we're trying to point to some of the more positive plays, right? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I get the idea and hopefully it works because if it doesn't work, what's really the role here for Kenneth Murray going forward, I guess is the concern for mm-hmm. me. Um, so, you know, hope it works, but I, I don't feel that confident in it. Although he does have the athleticism, I think to at least be able to pull off some edge snaps every game, but I don't really have faith in him to become a permanent edge. Uh, I think that that is a little bit outside his wheelhouse as of now. Obviously that could change, but uh, it's, it's worth trying primarily just because linebacker one is not working for him in this daily scheme. It really just makes me appreciate what Derwin James can do. It's like, don't play safety. Sure. You want to play corner? Sure. You want to be pass rusher? Yeah, I'm good at that too. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. Like somehow he's just good at everything. I was against uh, Murray at edge at first early in the season because Mosu and Fackrell early in the year were playing really well. Mosu had that uh, that sack against Fitzpatrick. Fackrell had that rare sack against Tyron Smith. Uh, Rumpf looked really good in the offseason. Granted, against backups, but he looked really, really good. But then you go, you know, it's just fallen off the last couple of weeks. Rumpf and Fackrell 
Uh, they have one pressure combined the last three weeks, and Mosu only has five the past three weeks. They just need more juice opposite Bosa, and maybe it is Murray. I don't know. Nothing else is really working right now. If that somehow solves their pressure issues, great. It makes it more multiple, great. Um, they could also feel less stuck at taking an edge rusher early next year, assuming one of Mosu or Fackler return. But as much as I want to see Murray be an edge rusher and try to create some pressure with him, like you said, I want to see Chris Rumpf get more snaps too. I think he's at eight yeah. pass rush snaps um, the last like couple of weeks or whatever it is. That's not a lot. And if you're trying to generate more pass rush opportunities, or excuse me, more pressure opposite Bosa, give him a shot. I don't know. Like he's your edge rusher. And I granted he's a, you know, fourth round pick rookie, but he's an edge rusher and you built him to be an edge rusher. He looked really yeah. good in the offseason. Frankly, I think he's earned more snaps. He's yeah. not good on, on, um, kickoff return but that's a whole different thing <laughs> but you know as an edge rusher give him the shot first and the, but then what do you do with murray again what is his role if he can't do that what's his role because while he was good last year or eh, decent last year as a pass rusher he wasn't really great as a pass rusher this year granted it's only a couple of games but i think drew trinkle's at like a 33 percent pass rush win rate or, or productivity or whatever it is murray's yeah. at 12 and a half percent that's below white as well so even if you want like a blitzing linebacker, he doesn't have a role or he shouldn't, you know, no offense to him, have a role over someone like Tranquil or White, who both have been much better at it this year. So I really don't know what role he has. And at this point, they got to find something for him. So, you know, core special teamer. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I would hate for that. Core special teamer, first round pick. <laughs> it's more than Zach Wilson's doing the next couple of weeks. Yeah, know? I mean, I guess so. Uh, I, you know, in regards to like converting oh the edge conversation, it reminded me of sort of where we were with Jerry Tillery last year, where we were just like, yeah. oh, well, because of <laughs> that's injuries. promising. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I feel quite that negative on it, but it was just like, well, let's convert Jerry Tillery to edge. And to, to Tillery's mm. credit, he did get some sacks there, but also mm -hmm. could defend the run, right? And if you're going to play the edge, one of the things you have to do is defend the run. So, right. you know, it, Kenneth Murray might be a really good pass rusher, but if he can't do everything else that you have to do in the edge, that's going to be a problem, right? So that's something that he'll have to adapt to as well. And, you know, playing NFL offenses at the edge position is a little bit different than playing, you know, big 12 offenses at the edge position. Yeah. So there's that part of it too. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I have confidence that he can, you know, pass rush to some extent, but, you know, to, to do everything as a full-time edge is a major stretch to me right now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one of the things that really stuck out to me in the first couple of games about him and where he was struggling was that he he wasn't shedding blocks like he would, you know, let these blockers get to him. He wasn't reading the play right. And then he couldn't get off of the blockers. And what do you have to do on the edge? You have to get off blockers. So I, I would caution people who think that he can play edge full time because I just don't think he has like the strength to do that. And to me, that's like an off season overhaul kind of move. Like you don't teach, you don't switch someone from inside linebacker to edge in the middle of a season coming off of an injury. So I would just caution people to think he can do it full time because I really don't. And I agree with Alex. I think you use him there, uh, you know, five snaps a game. And if that, you know, turns into some, some productivity great. But to me, I still think you have to figure out a way to get maximize his potential as an inside linebacker. And, you know, the thing about fitting into the Brandon Staley system is that they said that he was going to be aggressive. They said that he was going to be coming downhill 
and we're seeing that from Drew Tranquil and Kaiser White in glimpses, we weren't seeing that from Kenneth Murray. And that mostly is because of him. Like, he just was not reading plays right. He was not being aggressive. He didn't really look comfortable to me. So I understand, like, trying to get the most out of him and potentially giving your team more opportunities to be multiple. I'm all for that. But to me, Kenneth Murray is an inside linebacker, and I think that they have to Mm -hmm. figure out a way to get him right in that aspect first before moving him positions. Like, that's, that's just my only hiccup is that what if you change him positions to edge and he doesn't work out at edge, then you're just yeah. kind of screwed and you wasted all these games of reps on a very mm-hmm. talented player. So to me, like give him some expanded role as a pass rusher, sure. But you have to figure out a way to maximize his potential as an inside linebacker because that's his best position in my opinion. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. All right. Any other thoughts, uh, you guys, about the tread deadline or uh, Kenneth Murray or any of the other stuff? Nope. All right, then. Let's uh, dive right into this uh, Eagles and Chargers matchup. We'll uh, have some general thoughts here uh, about the broader picture of kind of the bigger storylines that we are paying attention to. Um, So, Alex, we'll start with you on this one. What's the uh, the big storyline or the big thing that you're focusing in on this week? Um, it's the offense. I mean, you know, we talked yeah. about it the last two weeks, and the Eagles, in theory, should be the perfect bounce back game. They don't <laughs> have much secondary talent right now. Uh, they're pretty depleted outside of Darius Lay. They have bottom tier NFL linebackers like. This should be the game in theory that you get it together, but then there's just a weird aspect of, well, they've lost two in a row and it's a road game and it's on the East Coast uh, and it's everything that comes with it. So, um, right. Plus, there's also going to be you know, all, all Eagles fans in the stadium pretty much. So Justin Herbert will still be on the same silent count he is at home, unfortunately. Um, so we'll have to see how kind of that works. But yeah, no, I mean, this offense just needs to get it together. Um, I, you know, don't know what they did during the bye week, but I hope they did something different this last week to kind of mix things up. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely think what I am confident in is generally the initial script, right? I think Joe Lombardi has started games fairly well, right? Like we saw that against the Patriots jumping out to that early lead. And then it's everything in the last 45 minutes in terms of the, middle adjustments, the halftime adjustments that just haven't really been there for the team, unfortunately. Um, and they're always trying to hit that big play, but they can't hit that big play unless there's busted coverage, right? So that that's sort of been the yeah. problem for this team to this point on offense so far. Um, so yeah, like this is the week you have to get it together. And if you don't, like we're talking about four and four with a loss to the Eagles who just do not have a good second and third levels of their defense right now. Um, so to me, that's, you know, going to be alarming if they do lose this game. Uh, but to me, they should be able to get the offense together, but I just, I need to see it happens first. Yeah. I, I disagree that the chargers can't hit a deep shot unless they're busted coverage. I mean, technically there has to be something wrong with the defense to, you know, for the offense to work. If they play perfect, they play perfect. You can't make anything happen, but like the shots are there. And so my storyline is kind of the same thing. You know, the Eagles don't blitz much. I believe they're like two percentage points higher than the Raiders with Gus Bradley. So can the Chargers <laughs> hit these deep shots? 
you know, because honestly, against the Patriots, there were, yeah. I've, I've watched the game way too many times. There were available shots to Guyton and Williams at least half a dozen times. And Herbert either just didn't go there, he went underneath, which was fine, or he was pressured and he just couldn't find these guys. And, and the biggest reason that he couldn't hit these deep shots was because there was pressure. So if there's no extra pressure or exotic looks from the defense, unless Storm Norton gives up eight pressures, thanks a lot, Stephen. <laughs> I, I think that might help. It's it's amazing. It's funny enough, you know, Herbert, I think, is tied with Mahomes for intended air yards, but that's below Mac Jones, Heineke, which is not good. So the opportunities are there. Can Herbert make the right decisions, not throw a hero ball to Keenan Allen, instead find Mike Williams just to the left, almost there? You know, can he make the right decisions? Can the line give him enough time? Can Donald Parham know where to freaking go on a blocking, you know, slider or whatever the hell that was supposed to be? Um, the, the opportunities are there. I know people wanted to bench Guyton. I know people wanted to fire Lombardi. And I was kind of on that too. But after watching it, you can tell Baltimore game, uh, the Patriots game, these deep shots are there. Now, yeah. can Herbert hit it when the defense is not as good as the Ravens or the Patriots? That's my storyline. Yeah, I think that is is really spot on. And Brandon Staley said that yesterday, you know, we have a ton of stuff in the design of the offense to go deep. And for whatever reason, they just aren't hitting them. And I think Tyler hit that right on the head because Jalen Guyton's getting open. Mike Williams is getting open. You know, I tweeted that clip of, you know, Mike Williams running a go route. He does an inside release and Justin Herbert throws it to the sideline. And, you know, I don't know quarterback play all that well you know in comparison to how i know offensive line but i know that when your court when your receiver runs an inside route you're not supposed to throw it to the to the sideline like if justin herbert had led mike williams it would have been a touchdown would have been a 70 yard touchdown easily so there are shots happening and there are plays calls that are happening like i promise anyone who is willing to actually have an open mind if you go use our link expressvpn.com slash charged to watch nice. the game pass version expressvpn.com slash guilty you mixed it up with the other tick pick one and the other five oh, advertisers oh we have. sorry <laughs> gotta get us canceled so expressvpn.com slash guilty thank you for that alex so much um but i promise you if you go watch the all 22 you'll see what tyra and i are saying that these shots are being called it's just that they are not converting them. And, and part of that is Justin Herbert. Part of that is the offensive line. And part of that is, is the receivers dropping passes too. So um, anyways, I think my biggest storyline probably would have been the offense. We've kind of talked about that a lot. I'm really concerned about the secondary for this one. I know the cool. Eagles don't have like a truly top tier receiver. Although I think Devontae Smith will get there at one point in his career. Mm -hmm. but this secondary could be down its top two corners and its third safety, which I like Mark Webb, but Alohi Gilman is, you know, playing pretty well lately. So mm -hmm. I'm really concerned about the secondary and also Chris Harris is awful. So essentially you're down three starting corners against an NFL team who, despite their <laughs> because <limitations>, he's awful. <laughs> <laughs> so oh I don't know, man, like I'm concerned about the secondary in this one. And, you know, uh, Asante Sunday Jr. is in the concussion protocol. He could certainly pass it by uh, Sunday. Michael Davis is, according to Brandon Staley, day to day with his hamstring. But what if those players don't play, man? Like we're looking at Tavon Campbell as the best cornerback on the team. Like it's just, uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's a tough situation to be in this week. And I know that's kind of storyline, kind of injury report. But it, I'm concerned about the secondary in this one. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty concerned about it as well. And, you know, we bring up uh, Santi Samuel, Michael Davis, and, and where I think you really miss Michael Davis in this one is that the Eagles have Dallas Goddard, right? And, like, yes. the tight ends are have been what the Chargers have generally been able to shut down outside of Mark Andrews. Um, but, the, you know, if you have Dallas Goddard going off uh, without Michael Davis on the field and, you know, leave Derwin James to pretty much cover him by himself, that sort of limits what Derwin can do on some other plays if you yep. don't have Michael Davis there. So um, I think that's a little bit concerning, especially because Hunter Henry sort of had a little bit of a revenge game on us, even though it wasn't quite as bad as Mark Andrews. Um, yeah. Right. And then, you know, if you don't have Michael Davis and you don't have Asante Samuel, then you're going against Devonta Smith and, you know, Quez Watkins, who has a lot of speed as well. Uh, you know, that's, Per, you know, probably the person who's going to be beating you on go routes, you know, more often and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, the secondary, I think, even though, you know, we'll talk about Jalen Hurts and, you know, how he's played, I think he's played okay for what he is. But, but uh, even with those quarterback limitations, uh, I still think the Eagles have options to burn the Chargers in this game if they are missing Michael Davis and if they are missing Asante Samuel. Yeah. How fast, uh, how fast of a 40 did Devontae Smith run in? Uh, at his pro did you know um he's fast four. like he's not he's not crazy fast, yeah but he's fast yeah uh i'll look it up Devonte smith oh didn't everyone run a 4-2 at the combine this year or the, the <laughs> workouts this year pretty much i think it, i think much. he declined to run the 40 i don't think he okay. ever ran it because i know he was um, i know he had a that hand injury that yeah uh, i so yeah. i think i think waddle and uh Waddle and Rugs uh, ran it, but um, yeah, he didn't. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, the point I'm trying to make is that every single receiver on the Eagles is like insanely fast, except for JJ Arcega Whiteside. But I don't even think he's. Playing I don't think this he's one. on the Eagles anymore. <laughs> Mentally, <laughs> mentally, he's not even on the team anymore. <laughs> Him and Odell Beckham, receivers on the team, but not on the team. Um, but every single receiver on the Eagles is fast. And what does Chris Harris struggle with the most? Receivers who are fast. So this is not a fun matchup. For and me, I think. he struggled with a receiver that wasn't fast last week. And <laughs> kill Harry's like the slowest receiver I've ever seen. True. Jeez. And again, I, I ask again, if you can't stop a Nikhil Harry comeback route, what are you doing on the field, man? Um, <laughs> so I don't know. The the secondary is uh, is in a bad spot. JJ Arcega Whiteside, Kevin, uh, is a former Stanford receiver who the Eagles took over DK Metcalf. Um, Shut the fuck is, up. <laughs> uh, it has not been great. I think I think for the most part, like he's just been injured and hasn't been able to get on the field. So, but yeah, it's been great. Um, all right. So we, we kind of mentioned the injuries for this one. Um, let me make, make sure I have this one out. Um, so Michael Davis, uh, probably not playing with a hamstring injury. Asante Samuel Jr. is in concussion protocol. Lohi Gilman has an ankle injury. I tried to watch all of Brandon Studies press conferences this week, and no one mentioned Alohi Gilman at all. So I don't know if they expect him to play. I don't know if they are hopeful that he plays, uh, but he has not practiced, and he had his, an ankle injury. So that's an interesting one. Uh, and then Justin Jackson is probably out. Brandon Staley did not seem uh, very positive that he would be available this week. He didn't necessarily say that. Um, but he is not going to practice today or tomorrow. Uh, and because he's Justin Jackson, I frankly do not expect him to play. <laughs> so that's where we're at there. 
That's neat. I'm pretty sure he got hurt when um, starter over Brendan Hymas, uh, Senio Calamente, got blown up at the goal line to get uh, hit Justin Jackson. Pretty sure after that he got hurt. So that's I'm neat. pretty sure I'm pretty uh, sure he got hurt looking backwards on his 70 yard. <laughs> <laughs> was that the moment? <laughs> it was a hell of a run though, man. Like it, it honestly was oh, probably the best, best run. run I've it seen was amazing. Any, it was probably the best Chargers run I've seen since like LT was around. Like it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. So sad. Yeah, but no, it's frustrating that there that no one asked about Gilman because I think that's pretty relevant because Derwin James yes. like it wasn't a whole lot, but he did play the most box snaps against the Patriots. I think it was 30 box snaps and then three defensive line snaps, pass rush snaps. I don't know if he started to transition a little bit more to the box towards the end of the game. It kind of felt like it. I feel like maybe after the first quarter, I saw more Derwin James at the line. I didn't watch defense. I was watching a lot of offense this week. So, you know, if he's up there, but then Gilman was the guy back there. Now who's back there? Now, like we talked, like Alex talked about, is that limit what Derwin James could do? Is Derwin James just now a Dallas Goddard, you know, guy who's gonna he's gonna cover him instead of a guy who could maybe help out with the run. I don't know. It seemed like his role was slightly evolving. There's no surprise that the run defense did get better and look better with him kind of at, in the box more. Yeah. So now if Gilman is hurt and it looks like he's not going to play, how does that affect Derwin James' role? I wish someone had asked because I think it's pretty relevant. I know he's just a sixth round safety, but it's pretty relevant to Derwin James' situation. Yeah, and I think it's the depth in the in the secondary right now is like if all these players are out, I I think probably some of them will play. But you know, if you're relying on Mark Webb to be that second safety, you know, I think Alohi Gillen played like 35 snaps on Sunday, and I think that's about what it's been, you know, 30 to 35. Like Mark Webb is gonna be playing, as Thomas is pointing out in the chat, like Ben DeLuca is probably gonna be active at least for special teams. They only have one corner on the practice squad. Uh, and I literally have never heard of him until I looked up the practice squad today. So it, it's for depth purposes, it's not great. You know, Ryan Smith is your special teams gunner. Like that's what you signed him for. And now he's going to be starting on defense. Kimon Hall has been the other gunner and he's probably going to be playing a ton on defense too. So from a depth standpoint, like they need some of these players to be active. And I don't know if they're going to be, um, especially Michael Davis. Like they've been so careful with starting players. Like, I don't mm. think Michael Davis is going to play this one. And maybe Asante Samuel Jr. does, but you never really know with concussion protocol. So right. as for the running back situation, I it's going to be right. tough to in this one. Like, uh, Justin Jackson has provided a spark in some of the games that he's played. Um, and we haven't really seen any of that from Larry Roundtree or Joshua Kelly. And frankly, like, one of the things that I'm starting to realize is that there's not really a use in this offense for a big power back. Like, mm. to me, the Man, running back... Who was saying that a couple <laughs> months ago? You're, I never said you were wrong. I was just saying that, like, the team, like, you know, for whatever reason, they do like the big power backs. They have three of them on the roster, if you count um, Darius Bradwell. So, I think, like, going forward, the Chargers need to shift that mentality a little bit and target some running backs more with some more wiggle because those have been the successful mm-hmm. plays with Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler. It's not been, okay, we're running this gap principle run and we're just going to have a big running back run you over. It's been the, we're going to get through you and we're going to mm-hmm. you know make, make you miss in the hole. So it's just an interesting dynamic because I like Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly as college players. But I, I, it's similar to Kenneth Murray. I don't know what their role is going to be going forward 
because A, they've played bad, and B, I don't think that they fit what the Chargers are actually doing in the run game. I mean, if there's going to be a game where Larry Roundtree and uh, Joshua Kelly go off, like, theoretically, it should be the Eagles. I mean, they're, <laughs> you know, 24th in run defense to the Chargers 32nd. So, you know, they're not too, doing too great over there. So, like, here's your chance, boys. Justin Jackson's out. <laughs> you get a chance yeah. to, you know, have a whopping maybe 2.9 yards per carry instead of 2.8. You know, that would be that would be a start. <laughs> That's improvement. That's improvement. It, w- it would be nothing but poetry. For the Alex hated Larry Roundtree to beat up the Alex loved Eagles, <laughs> that would be a wonderful day. I've never heard of the Eagles. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think the offense, the offensive line, has been playing well lately in terms of run blocking. They had a really, really good day, in my opinion, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Even if you take away the seventy-five yards, I think they're really starting to gel and figure some things out. Uh, as Oscar Garcia uh, is saying, the Chargers don't have one. I strongly disagree. It's just kind of – it's not like the Colts kind of running offensive line, if that makes sense. Um, so I, I think they're playing well. I think the running game will be okay. Um, you know, Austin Eckler was a full participant today and yesterday in practice, which is great. He seems to be doing uh, much better. So as long as Eckler is out there and playing well, then I think the rushing attack will be awesome. It's just the depth purposes are uh, – or the depth running backs are, are not great. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um. Okay, anyone for the Eagles, Alex, that is uh, potentially not going to play in this one? I haven't even looked at their injury report today. Um. Yeah, just a little bit of a look at their injury report. I think Jalen Rager got upgraded mm-hmm. to limited yesterday, uh, so he, he's probably going to play. Um, and then just looking at theirs from Wednesday, it pretty much seems like everyone's going to play. Um, I mean, at least from what I'm seeing over here, most people are limited practice or full practice. So I don't think there's like a big key one to watch. Uh, although... Yeah, I guess Fletcher Cox was a limited practice, but they have him with a knee rest designation. So mm-hmm. it seems like our Sega Whiteside is the only one who's in serious jeopardy of not playing right now. But we'll see how that pans out. Game changer. Big I mean, Fletcher, Fletcher Cox being injured is definitely interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, they have knee and rest, so, like, I don't know. Like, oh, knee okay. and rest to me sounds like what Joel Embiid does every day. So, like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like he's probably going to play, especially since the trade deadline's passed and he's still an eagle. Yeah, true. All right, uh, let's move on to our key matchups and X-Factors for this uh, upcoming matchup. I'm going to start this one off because this is a really interesting thing. Just like the concept of it really blew me away. Uh, and so my key matchup is Brandon Staley versus Jalen Hurts. I know that's not really the, the thing, but just going through Jalen Hurts's passing chart is honestly kind of wild. Like he is basically refusing to throw the ball left to the left side of the field. And it's pretty staggering. So in the short range, he has attempted 43 passes to the right, 30, 39 over the middle, and 15 to the left. In passes of 10 yards or more, he's attempted 26 to the right, 15 to the middle, and 12 to the left. So this man is like outright refusing to throw the ball to the left side of the field. He is essentially taking himself out and their offense out of really that part of the field, which is huge in the NFL. And so part of that, I think, is that Hertz has a tendency to bail out of the pocket and when he does, he always rolls out right. So I think that's a big part of it. And I think the Chargers have to be ready for that because it's a lot of scramble ball. It's a lot of backyard street ball. And when it does happen, he likes to target Devontae Smith. He likes to target uh, Dallas Goddard. And like I said earlier, all of their players are very athletic, very fast, and can make plays down the field. So how does Brandon Staley combat this one? Because they are making plays down the field. But it's very different than the way that, like, you know, Matthew Stafford is throwing the ball down the field. It's a lot of junkyard ball. It's very similar to playing like a Patrick Mahomes in that sense of how Hertz creates plays. I'm definitely not saying that Hertz is Mahomes because I know people will freak out, freak out about that. Um, so how Brandon Staley goes about doing, the, you know, attacking this kind of quarterback is interesting to me because he's so prone to using his legs. And he had 70 yards rushing on Sunday so against the Lions. So this is an interesting one for me because we haven't really seen him, seen Brandon Staley play this kind of quarterback. Like they played mobile quarterbacks, but Jalen Hurts wants to run and he wants to use his legs to get out of the pocket. And I think Brandon Staley has an interesting matchup on site. And weirdly enough, I think this is actually a, a game where Easton Stick could actually provide value because he, he runs the scout team quarterback. And that's what Easton Stick does too. So I don't know, man. Maybe Easton Stick is should be the X factor for me here too. But um, it's just nice. an interesting coaching matchup for uh, a guy who's never really played this kind of quarterback. Yeah, I don't know if uh, Easton Stick gives you a lot of insight <laughs> into Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, I'll let you let that make that mental leap. <laughs> but okay. Um, yeah, no. I mean, I think Jalen Hurts provides them definitely a challenge that they have not played this season, and that brings us back to the whole quarterback spy conversation that we had a little bit with Mahomes where he got those two quick runs in uh, and then didn't do much for the rest of the game. So like, you know, obviously Hertz is much more running problem than Mahomes. Uh, my key matchup is going to be Darius Lay versus Keenan Allen. Uh, like, I think this is the big one of the game and Darius Lay is having what is probably by far his best season right now. Um, I, I think that he's played really well despite the Eagles not, Having a super talented secondary, he's been the fourth highest graded corner in the league. Uh, he's tied for fourth in defensive stops. 
and only Mike Evans has 20 yards uh, on him this season. Uh, so he's been really, really good. Uh, and then obviously the numbers are there to back it up as well. Uh, just uh, including that Tampa game aforementioned with Mike Evans uh, in his last five games, he's allowed 13 yards, 10 yards, 45 yards, 13 and 19. Um, so it has not been yeah. really, you know, a go time to throw. Uh, so for somebody like Keenan Allen, who has not been on the same page with Justin Herbert or, you know, has, you know, sort of had a little bit of a wacky last couple games, I think this is the way to get him involved. Like this is the game where he has to be great just because uh, I, or at least get some catches, get some movement on uh, Darius Lay going because. If he doesn't and Mike Williams still kind of looks the same and then you're still having the same sort of questions with Jalen Guyton in regards to whether Herbert's going to be taking those deep shots. Um, I think Keenan Allen is someone who has to really step up in this game. Uh, and this is not the easiest week for him. So to me, overcoming Darius Slay, even though we've seen Keenan Allen, you know, battle and go against high profile corners before, this is someone who's, you know, younger than him right now and is playing the best football of his career, uh, at least till this point with the Eagles, especially uh, given the game he just had as a revenge game against Detroit. Uh, so I'm really excited to watch these two match up against each other. And I hope yeah. for the Chargers sake, Keenan Allen does get the better of it. And I would expect him to, I know it's been a rough year for Allen, but I think Allen did pretty handily kind of win the last time they matched up with each other when they played the lions. Unfortunately, Slade did have that final pick in the end zone because Rivers That's either right. underthrew it or was our hero ball or whatever it was. But Allen did seem to have his number that game. So, like you said, if they can't figure out the offense this game, then I'm fully hitting panic button. I don't care what film my watch. If you can't figure it out this game, you know, barring Herbert blowing his ACL out, then you have some serious problems because his team should be pretty beatable. And I do think Allen will get the best of Darius Slay. Although if he doesn't, maybe it's not because he wasn't open. It's just they were other options i mean the, the raiders absolutely just destroyed the linebackers uh the eagles when they played because there's no blitzing so they just had their way with whoever else was open maybe it wasn't against darius slay and that's why the numbers were low that's because you can go anywhere else and get a ton of yards um as far as uh steven's point and his his matchup about you know jalen hurts i i had i had heard that that was a thing that jalen hurts just didn't throw to the left and i thought okay you know and i saw the chart too and it's like well maybe it's early on in the season He's a young quarterback, and he is, and both are true. It's, it's early, young quarterback. Things will develop. But then I watched him when I was when I was watching with my the Raiders with my dad, and he literally does not throw to the other side of the field. It was crazy. <laughs> or he just couldn't complete it. I was like, and I told my dad, I'm like, hey, he actually, I heard he doesn't complete things to the left side of the field. And we're watching him we're going, oh, my God, he really doesn't throw to the left side of the field. So I'm really curious to see, like you said, and this is also my key matchup, how Brandon Staley schemes that up. You know, how do you prevent him from doing that? Let's say, um, Justin Jones versus Landon Dickerson um, is a way to help get some pressure. I, that's kind of one of my matchups. I like Dickerson a lot. We didn't have a lot. I don't think he even played in the preseason. I don't even know if he started the year. No, healthy. he was on the he was on the pup list. Yeah, but he's already given up 19 pressures so far this year. So I guess not not quite super fair for a guy who was hurt coming back from injury, yada yada. But that's a way to get to Jalen Hurts. But also we saw with Patrick Mahomes uh, when obviously on the Chiefs, Jerry Tillery would. Uh, rush the passer then loop all the way around almost perfectly timed to where Patrick Mahomes was going to be when he rolled out and so I'm curious to see if they do kind of the same thing with Jerry Tillery or even Justin Jones maybe if they can't win their individual matchups can we use them in different ways to also help contain 
Jalen Hurts. So all those things, I'm interested in that matchup as well. I will be sitting there. I'm going to see if he can really throw left or not. If there's any game you can throw left, it's probably this one where the secondary is banged up. And if he can't do it or Staley finds a way to to scheme things where he just is uncomfortable, you know, I, I listen, I'm putting Joey Bosa and Drew Tranquil on the right side every time. Bosa is on the right tackle. Drew Tranquil is blitzing right behind him every single freaking time. Not really, but I'm just trying to create some pressure from the right <laughs> side. So he has to go left and then he'll miss or throw an incompletion or whatever. And I'm so, yeah, that, that's definitely a matchup I'm, I'm really watching this week because I thought it was just kind of a thing people said, but it's apparently legitimately true. And it is watching him and with the numbers. Yeah, it really is like kind of crazy to watch. So, um, you know, we'll have to see what the kind of game plan is there because I think Brandon study is going to take note of that and, and try to force him left, you know, so it, it's gonna be fun to watch. So um, let's move on to our X factors. This is an interesting one for me because I think there is a very clear weakness that Alex has mentioned in the Eagles defense. And it's not the mm-hmm. secondary. It's the linebackers. And yeah. the weird thing about it, though, the Eagles defense has held Travis Kelsey to his worst game. And some of that is because everything was going to Tyreek Hill in that one. But Travis Kelsey had 23 yards against the Eagles defense. And like every other tight end has just gone completely off against them. Foster Moreau, six for 60 and one. Um, um, Tremble and Ian Thomas for the Panthers each had really good games. Uh, Hayden Hurst had a really good game against the Eagles. So, if this isn't a Jared Cook game, I don't know what is. Like, if you can't get it done against the Eagles linebackers, um, you know, I'm starting to fade Jared Cook. You know, he's on pace for over 700 snaps this year, which I think is kind of ridiculous given that uh, two of the coaches on the staff know him very, very well. So, I don't understand the usage, but he has a very enticing matchup in this one, as does Donald Parham. So this X factor of mine is the tight ends. Steven Anderson could get in on on this as well because the Eagles linebackers just are not great. I think Alex Singleton is giving up a passer rating near perfect when targeted. Um, So this is an X factor tight end game for me. I like it. I'm going to go with another offensive player because this guy should be more than an X factor. And I, I think he can be. Where's Josh Palmer? Where is this guy? He was, I think, at eight snaps last game. And again, no target to the final drive. And that target was the catch of the year for the Chargers. I mean, I don't think another <laughs> Chargers receiver awesome has... catch. It was awesome. Granted, it was garbage time. But it, I mean, it, all, it did sort of put them back in the game. If they converted that onside kick, who knows? Someone with that kind of talent who, dude ha- who did have a really good catch against the Ravens as well. Put this dude on the field a little bit more. I don't think yeah. it needs to come at the expense of Jalen Guyton. And everyone's like, let's take Guyton off the field for Palmer. Well, now you're really just an underneath kind of uh, offense. But, you know, find ways to get him on the field. Will he have probably one catch for 10 yards? Probably. But I want to see this guy get on the field more. You drafted yeah. him. You really liked him. You watched him beat really good corners. He has great chemistry with Justin Herbert, apparently. He had an incredible catch on his only target for you guys against the Patriots to almost put you back in the game. Give this guy more reps. I want to see him get more reps. Get on the field more than eight snaps. I've watched I watched the Baltimore game too where he had more snaps. There's nothing wrong with what he did. There's nothing that suggested that he should have less snaps, but they only gave him eight. I don't know why. I think he had the same amount of snaps as Trey McKitty, Sanio Calamete, um, Larry Roundtree. Like, come on. Get this guy on the field more. He's very talented. You've seen it all preseason, all training camp. He showed up for you at the game. He's got great chemistry with your quarterback. He's a good player. Get him on the field. 
Yeah, he had eight on Sunday, and I think five of them were on the last drive. <laughs> so I agree. I want to see more Josh Palmer. I want to see more of the rookies in general. But Josh mm-hmm. Palmer had a great quote yesterday um, when he was asked mm-hmm. about, you know, staying after practice, which is what he was always doing with Justin Herbert um, during training camp. And so someone asked him if that's still happening. And he said, that's going to happen until I'm done playing this game. So I, I love Josh Palmer's attitude, man. I, I think mm-hmm. he works so hard at what he does. We saw him up close at training camp and he's just such a technician in mm-hmm. the same vein of Keenan. I think he's learning everything he can from those guys. I think he's being a sponge and I, I want to see him more. And so, you know, I mentioned making things easier for the offensive line by spreading people out, getting more receivers on the field. I think Josh Palmer is in that one, in that conversation, obviously. So I want to see more of him. I want to see more of Donald Parham uh, as well, because I think they have the talent outside of the big two that I think can make a big impact in this one. All right, Alex, uh, round us out here with uh, your X Factor of the day. Yeah, my X Factor is something really complicated. It's uh, called catching the football. Uh, <laughs> I think that it's it's a really complicated concept that the Chargers don't understand because Keenan Allen uh, leads the AFC and drops. Jared Cook is right behind him. Uh, and then, of course, you have Austin Eckler and Mike Williams in that mix as well. Um, so like, I, I don't know what's going on in terms of the communication right now between Justin Herbert and those guys. It didn't seem like him and Jared Cook were on the same page last week. Uh, Austin Eckler drops that ball that obviously turns into, uh, an Adrian Phillips interception. And so the chargers are, you know, we talked about it a lot last week and, and the podcast post the Patriots game, you know, they're beating themselves. Uh, and so like, you can't afford to have these drop passes, especially against the secondary, uh, or I would say particularly the second level of the linebackers that's as porous as the Eagles right now, right? Because otherwise you'll be beating yourself in some of the similar ways again. Um, so to me, it's not all that complicated. Uh, simply just catch your passes and move on. Like this shouldn't be that hard of a game. I don't think there's going to be a ton of Eagles defenders that give you a lot of trouble. But considering that we're already seven games into the season, it feels like that the Chargers are sort of in their own heads with a little bit of this stuff. And I'm sure there's part of it that's mental in regards to, you know, Keenan Allen being, you know, someone who's top three in the league and drops already. Um, Like, you know, so I'm sure there is some sort of mental stress that comes with that. But, you know, this is the game where you got to figure it out and, and sort of reduce that drop rate going forward because we've sort of talked about like, oh, well, that drop rate will go down just because it's not sustainable to be over 10 plus percent each game uh, or, yeah. you know, throughout the season. But it still is that high. Right. So if it's going to go down and the Chargers are going to improve on offense, it has to start there. Like you just have to catch the balls that are those relative gimmies uh, for Keenan Allen. Uh, Austin Eckler and especially uh, Jared Cook, who has not played up to his level, I think, as, as Steven demonstrated. So um, just get the ball and move on. Like <laughs> this, this shouldn't be that hard. Uh, pass Joe Lombardi, pass the other things that we talk about with this offense. You just can't be beating yourself that way. And if the Chargers fall to four and four, it's probably because they let a couple of those gimmies, uh, you know, continue and let those drops keep coming. Yeah, and the weird thing about the Keenan Allen one specifically is that we we didn't see any like hardly any drops from him last year. So I I, I think that's an interesting one because I don't really know what's going on there. And 
Um, you know, some of that is Justin Herbert. Sure. I, I think he does, you know, take some ownership there, but at the end of the day, if it hits you on the hands, you got to catch it. And, and these mm-hmm. drops are happening at terrible moments. You know, I tweeted that clip out where Justin Herbert climbs the pocket and throws it over to Mike Williams. Great play by Justin Herbert. Uh, Mike Williams drops the pass. Yes, it was difficult. He still needs, he needs to catch that pass. Austin Eckler has his, uh, a rare drop and it becomes an interception. Keenan Allen lets the ball go right through his hands. And that was on third down and it was a mm. manageable third down and five. So, you know, it, it, these plays are happening at a very, very, you know, poor moments. And it's just, it's something that needs to change. Um, I, I, I just want to, I just want to say real quick, like, I think that's also a pace of play thing. Like you said, and like Todd says in the chat, it's all of those things are happening on like third downs, right? Which is like just such yeah. a reliever for the defense because the defense gets off the field and they didn't even have to do anything. And then we talk about, you know, uh, the Chargers defense last week when the other team's offense gets back on the field, they're playing 70 or 80 plays a game, which, you know, is is really a problem when you talk about the injuries that are piling up uh, and the amount of guys that are just going to be exhausted and winded because of all the stuff they have to do. Yeah, absolutely. Want to give a shout out to uh, Envy Talent again, who's always showing up in these chats. Thank you for uh, those super chat questions. Uh, we'll get to them, I promise, after we uh, wrap up. But I, I did want to mention that because I, I do plan on answering that question, um, just not right now. So let's uh, move on to our Bolt predictions. Every single week we have fun with this one. Uh, so I'm interested to see where you guys go. And Alex, we'll start with you. What is your Bolt prediction for this week? Um, my Bolt prediction this week is that the Chargers – Hold Devonta Smith under 50 yards. Uh, this might be a little bit bold, but I'll take my <laughs> chances and hope Michael Davis and Asante Samuel play because I think if then it's possible. And he's also had a couple drops issues with Jalen Hurts. Um, mm-hmm. And we've talked about the throwing to the left side of the field thing. So, like, I feel like this is a game where they can lock him down. Uh, and the Chargers might have more issues with some of the more speedy options like Rager and like Quez Watkins. Uh, and they already have some of the Goddard problems because Michael Davis might not play. So this might be a game where they're able to take advantage of Devonta Smith. But, uh, you know, that's fully dependent on what we see on the Friday health report tomorrow. So it's a bit of a bold prediction with the asterisk. But uh, I, I think if at least one of those two between Michael Davis and Asante Samuel plays, I feel relatively confident in it. That is pretty bold. I, I, I don't I don't know about that one. Even some garbage time yards come into play there. Uh, but hey, if it happens, that's awesome. It means the Chargers probably won. Uh, my bold prediction, because I've watched him and now I found I sound like a defender of his and an apologist. I think Jalen Guyton has over 100 yards this game. I, I think... The plays are there. He can get it in like two plays. It, like honestly, True. against Baltimore, against the Patriots, True. if he had just gotten two of those targets, he would have 100 yards either of those games really. And he just didn't get those targets. And now with this offensive line not facing, hopefully, as difficult as a defense, I think Herbert will have the opportunity to finally get Guyton those yards that I, th- I think he can get in this offense. Um, we'll see. I feel like at the beginning of the year, I was defending Jalen Guyton. Now kind of circled back to be defending him again. Don't get me <laughs> wrong. I'd like Tyron Johnson more, but Jalen Guyton is here. That's who they have. No Deshaun Jackson, no Tyron Johnson. It's Jalen Guyton. I think he has the opportunities to break big. 
I think it happens this week because the opportunities are there. And now they have the defense to for. I think Herbert can make, get it get bleh, get it to work this week. So over 100 yards for Jalen Guyton. Uh, we'll see. It's been a long time coming, man. I, I feel so bad for him because he just running all these go routes and never gets the ball Jeez. thrown to him. It must be miserable. Um, <laughs> I think that's an interesting one. So my bold prediction. I don't know if it's necessarily bold, but I think Austin Eckler gets over 100 yards rushing. I think this is a really good spot for the Chargers offensive line. And, you know, we've seen in other instances around the league where the passing attack kind of is struggling. And so uh, teams kind of elect to uh, counteract that by using by running the football a little bit more than they should. So I think we'll see Austin Eckler get force fed a little bit in this one. Uh, And I think he goes for over 100 yards. I think he was pretty I think he's had one 100 yard rushing game and i think he's been close a couple other ones um but i think we have a big day for austin eckler uh envy talent bull prediction white kick white pick six i think that is a very interesting one shout out to kaiser white man i think he's playing really well um i said this the other day i don't think that's getting enough attention and uh in terms of linebackers the only linebacker that has created more turnovers for his team is darius leonard so kaiser white having a really strong impact in that regard Yes, Lamar Jackson really likes throwing him the football. <laughs> hey, man, turnovers are turnovers. <laughs> True. All right, uh, let's get to our league picks. I think it's uh, – whose turn is it to go first? Is it mine? I think it's mine. I don't know. I thought Alex – I thought you It's not mine. Time. I'm pretty sure Alex yeah, went t- first t- last time. No, Tyler went first, first last, last time. time. Okay, then Alex, you'll go first. I'll go second. Tyler will go third. Okay. Wait, tell me, tell me what the standings are so I can be mad at the Bengals again. <laughs> uh, I'm 19 and five. Tyler's 18 and six after the Bengals bad beat uh, hit him last week, and his Lions upset pick uh, didn't pan out against the Eagles. So, uh, yeah, I'm 19 and five. He's 18 and six. Steven is 11 and 13. Uh, you know, is Get <laughs> what? you actually further from 500 than you were the week before. I know I went one and two last week. I went one and two because the fucking Minnesota Vikings couldn't beat Cooper Rush. <laughs> if there's anybody that should be mad about, well, actually, the Bengals lost is much worse. I take that back to Mike White. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that's yeah, no, uh, but Did yeah, you guys so see, that's uh, sorry. Did you see Nate Tice? What and uh. Do you guys follow the athletic football show? Okay. Uh, I follow them, not the show. So Robert Mays is obviously the host of the athletic football show and uh, shield Capati and Nate Tice. They do their pick segment every single week and they are, they have to do lukewarm locks of the week. And if they get a lukewarm lock of the week wrong, they have to get punished. And so like one time Nate Tice picked the Eagles as a lukewarm lock of the week against the spread. They didn't hit the spread or actually it was the Browns, excuse me. The Browns didn't hit the spread. And so he had to wear do the podcast episode with a rubber dog mask. That on. I saw. That was horrifying. Yesterday, <laughs> they had to do, they had to drink Dan Campbell's coffee, uh, his coffee order, which is like 16 shots of espresso while they're recording the episode at like 8 p.m. at night. It was so funny. Jesus. I yeah. want to do that. I, we need to maybe next week we can do something like that. I like the idea of punishing each other for dumb shit okay. like that. Yeah, yeah. 
we also have to figure out how to punish each other. So if we come up with some creative punishments, let let us know. Hit us hit us with a live stream and comment and tell us what the punishments should be if we lose the picks next week. Yeah, those um, those three always do. They always do something relevant to like the pick. So like if you mm-hmm. if we pick, you know, if you don't pick an if you missed an Eagles pick, for example. You could eat like a Philly cheesesteak or something like eat that. A or something. <laughs> eat a battery. You have to eat a whole cheesesteak that's like a foot long during the show. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, that's Steven's lunch. Come on, man. Hey, man, I'm trying to eat healthy. I think Come that's on, Steven's now. snack time. I mean, <laughs> oh, I didn't go that far. Dang. I mean, I, mean, I wasn't saying anything. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I got Buffalo this week. Uh, so there I'm going to go. take that one off the table. Doesn't seem too difficult. Uh, and then, ooh, not not a lot of easy ones this week. Uh, although I will uh, scrounge around and see what I can find. Uh, I will take the. Mm, Man, you were going first. I, I, I am going. For, I, I would. <laughs> I didn't plan this beforehand. <laughs> so I was kind of freewheeling and dealing here. Uh, yeah. Well, okay, I'll go New England over Carolina as well. That feels like a game they should have, generally speaking. Uh, And then for my upset pick of the week, uh, yeah, not a lot of good upset material here. Mm. Is What's the line on Arizona-San Francisco, out of curiosity? I have not seen what that one is. Uh, on Yahoo, it's it's a wash. It's zero zero. Mm, okay, so that's not really upset material. Uh, you know what? I'll ride with it. Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers defeat the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, I mean, the Chiefs have a bad enough defense, and he looked okay in the preseason. And to get Devontae Adams back, I'll talk myself into it. So I'll take the Packers <laughs> as my upset. Buffalo over Jacksonville and New England over Carolina. Man, I was gonna take that one. I was gonna take that one. Um, all right. Maybe, so... it, maybe it's bad because Steven was gonna take that one. <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't, but I did it. No, I, I think it's a good upset pick. It's probably it was my favorite upset pick of the week for sure. So um, I'll take a different one. I think I know where I'm gonna go with this one. Um, all right, first pick of the day. Um, I'm going to take the saints over the Falcons. Um, the Falcons are really thin at wide receiver. And I think the saints defense is just going to get after them, uh, to the point where starting Taysom Hill probably doesn't matter all that much at quarterback, uh, because James Winston is injured. Um, other than that, I think I'm going to take the Ravens over the Minnesota Vikings, mostly in spite because I picked the Vikings last week and they, they fucked me over. Um, but I think this is a get right game for Lamar Jackson. And then upset pick of the week, Tyrod Taylor Gosh, gets a victory it, against the Miami Dolphins. Ah. <laughs> ah. I wanted that one. That's all I wanted. The Texans are favored? I, wait, the Dolphins, no, the, are Dolphins are, the Dolphins are favored by six. That seems high. At least on Yahoo. I'm looking on Yahoo. I'm looking at my work pick'em group and well, I mean has, they're both one uh, and seven and Tyrod's coming back. So like I don't know. That I don't know if that changes see- tomorrow if they adjust. But they'll still be mm. Dolphins will still be favored. Well, they should still, still be, be favored, yeah. Favored, I guess. I would the game's in Miami, home. so the mm. game's in Miami, so they'll be favored. Um mm. but yeah, Tyrod Taylor, man, excited to see what he can do. Um 
And I, I'm just, I want Tyrod to do well, man. I want him to get a legitimate shot. So uh, I hope he wins this week. I hope he plays well. Yeah, great. Now I'm gonna have to go stab him in the lungs again. All right, so <laughs> let's go. My my picks. I'm gonna go with Rams over the Titans. Thank God that one hanging hung in there. Oh, I missed that one. I missed. That um, one. I don't know if Mur- Kyler Murray's playing, so I don't feel good about that one. Is he injured? He was did not, does not practice the last two days, and same with Hopkins. I think. Oh, that would explain why it's a wash then. Yeah. So at Vegas, hey man, I'm not messing with that. So. Uh, my other pick to outright win, I'll go Cowboys over Broncos. That seems mm. reasonable, yeah. Uh, especially because the Broncos seem to be sellers right now. Dak so is that supposed works. to be back that one too. Who? Dak. Oh, Dak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank God for my fantasy team is getting killed right now by by Taylor. Um, okay, so my upset. Thanks for taking the two ones I wanted to take. It's not stuck <laughs> with one I'm gonna hate so much. Uh, there's no way this is gonna work out for me. But um, I'm gonna go with Giants over Raiders on this one. <laughs> Uh, they are currently missing Henry Ruggs for obvious reasons. And yeah. so, you know, maybe it works out. And the Giants were kind of close against the Chiefs. So, you know, I think there's something there. I Look, you took the two good ones, the ones that I would have gone with. Giants over the, uh, what's it called? Raiders. <laughs> what's it called? The what's it called? It, the Giants are at home, man. So you never know. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Oscar. I agree with you. Uh, upset pick Giants. There we go. What reasons? Oh, yeah. We're not going to get into that on this show. Um, all right. Let's wrap this up with our uh, final predictions for the Chargers and Eagles game. Uh, and then we'll take some questions. So if you have any questions, uh, now is the time to ask them. We'll get to Envy's a uh, couple of Super Chat questions, and then we'll we'll head out of here in probably like 20 minutes or so. Um, all right. Let's get to these predictions. I'm going to start this one off. I think this is a get-right game for Justin Herbert. I know there was a little bit of concern with his hand injury, um, but I'm not super concerned about that. Apparently, he looked great in practice today, according to Gilbert Manzano. Uh, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, NFL players experience slumps, even the great ones, and they always bounce back. So I think this is a bounce-back game for Justin Herbert. Uh, I think it's a bounce-back game for Keenan Allen, like Alex was talking about. And I think the Chargers end up winning... 30 to 20 in this one. I'm giving them a full 10 points. Um, I just don't have enough faith really in Jalen Hurts to uh, his ability to beat the Chargers with his arm. So I I think the Chargers win this one uh, relatively easily. Yeah, uh, I'm going to take the Chargers in this one. Not too surprising, although... Just because of the things we've seen from this team in the last couple of weeks, I do think this will be maybe a closer game than people are anticipating. Uh, I'm going to take the Chargers 27 to 24. Um, I do feel relatively confident that they'll win, question mark, uh, after these last two games. But this should be the week to get the offense together. And like Steven's saying, if the Chargers do get out to a lead early, I think it's difficult for the Eagles to come back uh, in that one with how their offense is constructed. Um, but there are sort of a lot of warning signs to look at, like Michael Davis and Asante Samuel, and sure. potentially a lot of guys not playing. Uh, that is sort of an issue. So I don't feel super confident in it just because I sort of need to see the Chargers win. Uh, and, you know, like Arjun saying, it's it's a close line. It's a road game on the East Coast. But I do see the Chargers winning this one, 
Yeah, you know, I think I've picked the Eagles to either win or be beaten <laughs> in our pickums, and I've been wrong, I think, three times in a row. Oh, so, no. you know, screw this Philadelphia Eagles team. Uh, I think the Chargers get an absolute get-right game out of this one for whatever reason. Do they win the by 20 points? Clicks. No, they win by 16. I have them 37 to 21 over the Eagles. I don't care wow. what else in my brain says that's not going to work. Alex is very smart with his pick. Like, oh, you know, all these good reasons and shit. Uh, whatever. <laughs> like, I think they're going to walk in there and just beat up Philadelphia. I think they're going to feel really good about it. We're all going to cheer and forget about all the things we said about Joe Lombardi and Herbert and the offensive line and everything. Uh, is it going to happen? Doubt it. But you know what? I, whatever. No one cares. So I'm going 37-21 Chargers. <laughs> and you know, I, I hate this Eagles team at this point. They've let me down so many times this year. Uh, e- Alex is now ahead of me mostly because of this Eagles freaking team. <laughs> um, so now that my grandfather has passed and he no longer has to root for this team, I hope the Chargers just smush them from here on out for the rest of my life. 37 to 21 Chargers. There we go. Lots of emotion behind that one. I love it. Um, I, I can definitely see where Alex is coming from in terms of it being a close game. I just, I think at the end of the day, the talent is going to rule the day. I think the cream's going to rise to the cut, rise to the top in this one. Um, but I definitely can see this being a closer game than either Tyler and I are expecting. I mean, you know, I just, I need to see it first. Like you gotta, I gotcha. you, yeah. you gotta, you gotta have it like, cause you haven't had it the last two weeks and you're averaging however many points that we've talked about. Like, so to me, it, you gotta see that game, but if there's any game, it, it would be this one. Yeah, absolutely. So if you guys have any questions for us, please type them in the chat now. Uh, would be that time. We'll get to Envy Talent's question about the rookie class first. He wants mm. to know specifically uh, now that we are seven games into the season. I can't believe we're at the midway point of the season already. Uh, how would we rate the rookie class f- right now? So, Alex, I'll let you start this one first. Uh, I feel like it's pretty much the same that I would have rated it like three games ago, I guess, if you ask me. Like, you have Rashawn Slater and Asante Samuel Jr., which seem like two hits, you know, on paper. Uh, then you have third-round Josh Palmer. Now I think he'll get more involved after we saw him catch his touchdown last week. So, like, that's a potential, you know, positive. Trey McKitty, though, still inactive. Uh, or, you know, he's got active last week, but still not really involved in the offense. Brendan Jaime's sort of in there in that kind of rotation, but, like, not you know, obviously probably going to start anytime soon. Uh, And so it's sort of a TBD on the rest of the class. I feel the same way about Larry Roundtree now that I did before (laughs) the draft. Uh, I I don't really think that much has changed there. Um, So uh, to me, really, I feel the same way that I did about the players before the draft. I thought the Chargers had a good draft at the time. Uh, I think they are on the brink of getting some of those players like McKitty and like Palmer more involved. Uh, so then that would change those grades depending on if they move up or move down. Um, but relatively speaking, it's the same because you hit on the first two and you're looking to get the others involved, but sort of a wait and see process. Yeah, I think I feel a about the same as where they're going to end up. So I give them an A minus in terms of impact. No, it's not an A minus. Although Rashawn Slater panning out is the best rookie tackle right now, so far by far. Although it looks like Darius kind of coming along, Sewell will eventually improve. Uh, but right now Slater being the kind of bar by far and away in terms of reps and pressures allowed, he looks the best. That's fantastic. That's going to buoy the grade no matter what. 
Um, Asante Samuel Jr., as a second-round pick, you know, he knew he was going to struggle a little bit. He was going to have good moments. Unfortunately, because of the concussion or being benched, last couple of weeks we just weren't able to see a lot of him. So I don't really know where he stands right now uh, in terms of where he was charted recently with like completion percentage overexpected and like targets or whatever. He was kind of in a not great quadrant, um, but I do think he can improve as the season goes. So we'll see. And then Palmer, we kind of thought he was more of a 2022 guy. So really any contributions now, we expect a lot of him because we like him. But really, you know, him he's really going to contribute next year, I think. Although we thought Mike Williams might not be brought back because of Palmer. Um, Rumpf, I don't know. Like, I didn't, I wasn't super high on him as is. Oh God, I'm going to the whole long rookie class. Point is, I'll, I'll just say this. I think they haven't, they're about where they're supposed to be. Even though they haven't impacted the game a lot, I think they're about where they're supposed to be. And I think in the next couple of weeks, we'll start to see them really come on. Yeah, I just think that with this rookie class, we don't have enough information with those past Asante Samuel Jr. to really change much. I think at the end of the day for me right now, you have an elite left tackle. So almost regardless of what happens with everybody else, the draft class is worth it. Like, <laughs> I think it's the same kind of argument for getting Justin Herbert last year. The, the class is always going to be remembered for Justin Herbert. This class mm-hmm. is always going to be remembered for Rashawn Slater and so far so good. So um, once we get more information on the other players, and I really hope that's coming soon, you know, we saw Trey McKitty, I think had 10 snaps on Sunday, Chris Rumpney. I want to see more of him. I want mm. not, on, not on kickoff return as Tyler has, has pointed out. Um, I want to see more of Josh Palmer. Uh, Mark Webb is going to play a little bit more on Sunday, most likely. So we'll see more of him down the road. Um, Larry Roundtree pick is not looking so great. We've seen a little bit here and there of Nick Neiman. So right now it's just kind of waiting because I think we need more information about the rest of the rookies. But of course, with Asante and Rashawn Slater, those first two picks look like they're going to be hits. uh, And that is awesome news for them. Also wanted to answer this from Envy Talent. So do you guys go purposely live during football games or what? Yeah. But here's the thing. Cardinals Packers was worth watching. If you're watching Colts Jets, you're a junkie and you need help. <laughs> we go live when we can. You know, I had to did a yeah. college and careers night today uh, at our school. So I had to stay late at work. And Alex and Tyler were thankfully able to uh, move the schedule around for me. So that's why we're going live today at seven as opposed to five. Um, just kind of have to work around uh, work around work schedules. Uh, uh, actually, this is an earlier one from Envy Talent. With the Eagles uh, losing Sanders, do you think their run game will be able to topple our run defense as soundly as we saw over the season? Uh, what do you guys think? I think no. Uh, I mean, I don't think it really matters if it's Sanders or not, I guess. I mean, Boston Scott <laughs> had a hell of a game against yeah. the Lions, uh, and he's familiar with running as in that sort of you know, coming into that starter role. Uh, so they have him, they have Gainwell. I don't really think it matters. Um, you know, now the Chargers defense or run defense did play well enough last week, right? Like we saw that happen. Um, they allowed 3.6 yards per carry or whatever it was. Uh, however inflated or deflated those statistics might be by the end of that game. Um, but still, you know, I don't really think Sanders, I mean, Sanders wasn't involved like a lot. So, you know, until they started getting him involved in the Raiders game, then he got hurt. Um, So I think that Boston Scott is more than capable uh, of being, you know, a running back one and then you have Gainwell and, you know, some other guys behind him. But 
I, I think that that's really what the game is. It's less about the running backs and more about are the Chargers winning consistently on the uh, defensive yeah. line in the trenches. Yeah, I mean, the run defense has to improve upon last week or more so like continue that momentum because I, I don't think people really un- understand how hard it is to give up 3.9 yards per carry when essentially you have been uh, given 40 rushing attempts. Like the Patriots were on the field for 77 plays they had 40 rushing attempts and the Chargers held them to 3.9 yards per carry. So um, the run defense was really good on Sunday. I think it, it was their best performance of the year so far. Um, and if Justin Jones return means all that much, then he deserves a hell of a raise. So I, I will say, I, I think I, I like the adjustments that they made, you know, giving Derwin James more box snaps and allowing the defensive line to shoot gaps more often. I think that was really kind of the biggest change for me is that they allowed them to be more aggressive up front as opposed to trying to hold blocks. So I I think the defensive line will continue to improve. You know, the linebackers are getting healthier. You know, Drew Tranquil said uh, yesterday that his uh, pec injury is all good. He felt like it held up really nice um, in a couple instances when they were similar to how he got hurt. Kenneth Murray may be back. So I think the run defense is going to continue to build their momentum. I'm definitely not expecting them to be like this great run defense all of a sudden. They're not going to be Tampa Bay, but I do think that they'll hold up just fine in this one against the Eagles. I'll do the next one. Oh, sorry. I think I canceled you out there. Oh, there was, yeah. uh, shout out to Brandon uh, with what we've seen now and about halfway through the season. Who do you guys predict will be the MVP of the offense during the second half of the season? I, I mean, yeah, it's Justin Herbert, but like, I actually think <laughs> I think we should go with Austin Eckler. I think yeah. you could argue he's been the, he's been the MVP of the first half of the season. To be honest, even though no, he's not technically the most valuable player, but after him, the running backs kind of stink, and he's been just churning yards out, getting up more yards being a great leader for the team, calling out the guys behind him. So I'll go with him. Yeah. Uh, but then during the second half of the season, it's going to be Derwin James. I, I think he's pretty much the defensive MVP um, from here on out. He he has my vote so far. As much as I like Joey Bosa, it's just not working right now. Um, and Derwin James is, I think, literally just the most valuable on defense. He plays so many positions so well. Yeah, I mean, I think if the answer is anyone other than Justin Herbert on offense, then we have problems and probably didn't do well in the second half of the season, frankly. Uh, when yeah. we're talking about like MVPs, so like for me, definitely on this Chargers team, like has to be Justin Herbert on offense, and I agree with uh, Derwin James. Like to me, that's a pretty simple answer. Like I think he has been the best defensive player on the Chargers to this point. Joey Bosa, sort of. I mean, you know, he's getting double and triple team. Plus, he's had his own injuries that he's been dealing with here and there. Um, but yes, yeah, so I, I would sort of say, yeah. I mean, it has to be Justin Herbert and Derwin James. I think Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen, particularly Allen bouncing back from his first rough half of the season. Um, that could be, you know, sort of a good, you know, bold prediction, if you will, of potential MVP, but uh, it, it's got to be Dustin Herbert for this team. Yeah, I would agree with those statements. I think defense is absolutely Derwin James. Like uh, everybody was writing their, you know, mid season awards at this point or mid season first team all pros. And Derwin James was on all of them. Like everybody is really, <laughs> giving Derwin James his flowers and he deserves them. He's doing so much for this defense. He's calling plays. He's playing fantastic against the run. He's shutting down tight ends. He's playing the deep part of the field. So 
Derwin James, like it's been so good to see him back healthy and he's balling out of his mind. I think that would be a little bit more of an interesting conversation if Joey Bosa had a little bit more help and were able to, you know, see his, you know, peak performance, but we haven't really seen that. So I was looking at all the pressure numbers today uh, and he's like tied for 17th in total pressures right now, which is just awful mm-hmm. to look at because he really is, is so much more talented than that. Uh, part of that's him. Part of that's the other players around him. And part of that is Brandon Staley. Frankly, I think, you know, we need to be honest yeah. a little bit about Brandon Staley because one of the things that he was hired on is his ability to get his players into one-on-one matchups. And I've been a little disappointed at the lack of one-on-one matchups for Joey Bosa. So a uh, long way of saying it's, uh, it's absolutely Derwin James on defense. I don't think anyone else is really close offense. I, I would agree. I think Eckler is probably second behind Justin Herbert. The role that he's playing for this team is just insane right now. Uh, and he's right. Somebody does need to step up. So um, MVP of special teams, Dustin Hopkins. <laughs> I think that's probably a fair one at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, MVP of special teams is that's a hell of a phrase considering what the charter special teams is right now. Yeah. Um, I guess it's Dustin Hopkins, Andre Roberts averaging 23 and a half. Like that's MVP <laughs> worthy on the chargers. You know, Ty Long's been good and he's been given shit. Oh yeah. Ty Long. So. Yeah. Ty Long. Yeah. Yeah. Skinniest kid at fat camp type stuff, but you know, <laughs> all right. Um, all right guys. Well, uh, appreciate your questions. Appreciate the super chats. Um, let's head out for today. Tyler, final thoughts on, uh, the chargers and the Eagles matchup and whatever else you want to talk about. Yeah. I just think everything that we've been waiting for the Chargers to do over the last two weeks, they just couldn't do because they were playing frankly, better defenses, better coach teams. It's a get right game. In my opinion, I think this will really kick off really the rest of their year, um, as they head into the postseason. And so I think a good win here would be great if the defender, if the secondary is banged up, but they still win. Awesome. Um, I, I think this is a good get right game. So I'm looking forward to it. I feel much, much better about this game than the last two where I, I just really didn't feel good, even though I picked them to win this one. Obviously I picked them to win by 16. <laughs> I feel good about this one. Yeah. Um, fuck Philadelphia. Who wants to live there? <laughs> the people eat poop off Pittsburgh the street there. Yeah. P- I can't say that one. No, no, I <laughs> you can't almost say that went one. for that. I, you no, almost went there. I, 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 I couldn't go that far on the joke. No, Tyler, you pushed it too far. But uh, yeah, I, I hope the Chargers win this game and proceed to get the Eagles uh, further into the tank bowl status. And obviously Houston rooting for Tyrod this week too for the same reason. Uh, but yeah, the, the Chargers should win this game. I think they will. But uh, it is a concerning last two weeks, although this is a much less good coach team. Uh, when we talk about Nick Sirianni versus Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. So, like, can't use that excuse. Uh, so I think this should be a game where they get it together. I ultimately do think they will. Fuck Philly. Who cares about them? There we go. I, we're getting a <laughs> we're turning this into an annual tradition where Alex says, "Fuck whatever city the Chargers are playing against." <laughs> oh wait, wait. Do they they play Minnesota next week? Yeah. Oh, I got something cooked up for that. We're, we're gonna get, <laughs> we're, we're gonna get a lot of that. And then after Minnesota is your actual most city, <laughs> Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, we're, we're gonna be cooking with gas the next two weeks. <laughs> Love it. I I think, you know, there's been a lot to be said in terms of the negativity around this team the last couple of weeks. I I think sometimes, you know, we all fall prisoner to the moment. And I think 
at the end of the day for me, I had this team coming out of Philadelphia at five and three before the season. And I think, you know, this gets them back on track to being where I think they can end up. And I think this is an important matchup. You know, Philadelphia is not like the best team. I think this is uh, a great opportunity for the Chargers to, you know, right some wrongs over the past couple of weeks. So I, I expect them to get back on track. I expect them to be more like the team that we saw in the first five games, the last two games. Um, and I'm just ready for some positivity, man. Like I need, I need a win this week, uh, for the chargers. And I think we'll get one, but it's been fun, uh, talking about this one. We did a bunch of interviews this week. I think this is probably the busiest interview week we've done. Alex interviewed Peter Schrager, shout out, uh, Peter for coming on the show. I interviewed Sean Phillips. And of course we did our, uh, Eagles preview with Devin Caney yesterday. So if you missed any of those, please go check them out. As always, please leave us a rating or review on the podcast platform of your choosing. Uh, Like and subscribe to our videos. We always appreciate that. Um, That's going to do it for us today. We'll be live on Sunday night this time since none of us are going to be in the stadium. Uh, So stay tuned for uh, the details on the live broadcast on Sunday. And we'll see you guys then. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.